Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Man, pissed me off. We- National Football League, and it's Christmas morning for waivers. Here we go, guys. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need a thing. No one man to have all that power The clock ticking, I just count the hours Stop tipping, I'm tipping off the power One bleeds red And one bleeds blue Two friends One heated rivalry It's intense It's no holds barred It's game time on Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Performance. I do want to note, 
Uh, Cam Newton went for uh, uh, quite a bit of money. It's blind bidding, man. The high stakes leagues use it uh, every week. You've got a thousand, or at the beginning of the season, you have a thousand dollars of blind bid money, and you get to use that money uh, all throughout the year. So you've got to kind of be wise about how much you spend on these guys. In my high stakes in event league, uh, Cam Newton had been drafted. Uh, so in both of the high stakes uh, leagues, he had been drafted, so he was not available. But in the uh, red versus blue league, the FPC league, he went for $332, a third of your bid money on Cam Newton to a team that did need a quarterback. And in the classic uh, satellite that I was in, he went for 75 So kind of all over the map. You never know what league you're going to get in and how much he's going to go for. 330 to 75 is a big disparity, Mike. I don't, I don't know uh, what to think of it. Well, you know what? I've, I've saw a lot of uh... – a lot of high bids go uh, go out the door. I mean, I saw Harley Doucette, for instance, uh, for Arizona go for a 711. Of course, that's in the dynasty league. They may have had a, a lot of money uh, accrued, but uh, 711, I mean, and, you know, I, I saw $1,000 go for that uh, tight end for Buffalo, which I'm, you know, you, you're going to have to clue me in on this guy, man. I mean, the tight end for Buffalo, I mean, he's going for $1,000. There was one guy in uh, one dynasty league. He he spent his whole mother load to get that tight end for Buffalo, and I still can't remember his name. Scott Chandler. You know we are going to talk about him. It's a it's a popular player this week in waivers. Let's go ahead and get the numbers out: three four seven three two four five four zero four. If you have a who do I start question, since your waivers are already done, uh, we'll take those tonight. I do want to talk about these waiver pickups and what they mean to your team this week. I don't want you to get too carried away, and I don't. And I also want you to get excited about some of the guys that you did pick up. So we are going to talk about that. Let's start with that Panther game, Cardinals 28, Panthers 21. Steve Smith was on the field for 69 of the Panthers, 75 offensive play, 45 of which were pass routes, Mike. So this is a guy that if you drafted him in the 10th round or wherever he went late, uh, man, you've got yourself an automatic starter in your lineup. That's the kind of guy so far, so far, Mike, Steve Smith is the guy that you're looking for on your championship squads. You know, somebody that you could get a nice performance from every week and you got him in the 10th round. Uh, you know, guys like Britt, you might like what he did. Guys like Dez, you might like what he did. But you paid a high price to get him. So you're not that much better than anybody else. When you get a guy in the 10th round or 12th round like a Steve Smith and he does what he did week one, Everybody's on notice to the Steve Smith owners, uh, right. so that's 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 a big deal if you've got uh, if you've got him. Uh, let's go ahead and turn that attention. Go ahead, Mike. In that in that Kentucky league, uh, we were able to get uh, Steve Smith in the uh, seventh round, and uh, he, you know he's pretty much a steal. As a matter of fact, we thought that we uh, screwed the pickup, but uh, you know that's week one. You know this is all week one and. Uh, you know, I, I really want to break down all these uh, all these players that uh, performed uh, outstanding, like a Steve Smith, and break down uh, what happens moving forward. Because you know, week one it's great deal. I mean, they do they do great stuff in the week one, but I want to see what happens week three, two, three, four, five, and moving forward. <clears throat> Let's look at. Uh, let's turn the attention to the uh, Bills Chiefs game, Mike. That's what you wanted to talk about. Scott Chandler. Look, I I saw all kinds of bids on this guy that were astronomical. Uh, Dennis Young in the uh, Dynasty League, he bid like 500 of his wad there. Uh, in the main event league, he went for 36. In my other main event league, he went for 404. Uh, in my red versus blue league, he went for. Da, 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 I got it here. Let me find it for you, Mike. 244. Yeah, and in the classic, he went for four fifty three. So, man, they're spending four and five hundred dollars for, for what is this guy? Well, let's take a closer look at Scott Chandler. Uh, the question is whether or not Scott Chandler is a real deal, right? And the stat line, right? Uh, Pro Football Focus has a great article out. The stat line five for sixty three and two says yes, but the snap numbers, Mike. That's what you've got to look at. Chandler was on the field for just 37 of the team's 71 snaps. Now, he let Bill's tight ends, but he ran just – you ready for this, Mike? He ran just 10 pass routes. Now, that means he was targeted 50% of the time when he ran a pass route, but 
the, the league average is closer to 10 to 12%. So he's due for a big, big pullback, right? Uh, I don't know how else you can really look at this thing. I mean, unless they just start to incorporate him more in the passing game than he did. He only ran 10 routes in the whole game. And and Fitzpatrick threw for, you know, 1,000 yards. So I don't know what more you want from Fitzpatrick in that passing offense when this guy's not going to catch 50% of the balls that are thrown to him every week. And he's only gonna, he only ran 10 routes last week. So you got to look at the yeah. snap counts. Like, it's not always the stat line. It's sometimes it's a little deeper. Yeah, you you know you're exactly right. I mean, it's just the way it worked out in in that game and that uh, game situation against uh, Kansas City. I mean, Buffalo was uh, they were pounding these guys, and uh, you know the the way the game worked out to where uh, Chandler could uh, you know catch those passes and uh, end up scoring a couple t- couple touchdowns. It that's the way it worked out. This week, I would be. Uh, I would be shocked if he scores a touchdown. I would be shocked if he, uh, you know, has more than three, four receptions. Right. Absolutely. That's what you got to look at. Uh, the folks, the guys in the chat room, the crew here, we officially call the crew at the chat room here at Red versus Blue, made up of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. If you have a who-do-I-start question, there's not a better place you could be than in the Red versus Blue chat room on Friday night. Guys like King of Queens, uh, Mino Brown, Fantasy Assassins, Code Cracker, Billy Waz, Nine Route, Two Packer. These guys have fantasy winnings of over. It's it's got to be seven figures, Mike. These guys uh, are are wow. several of them are, are big big time players. So you've got great guys you can ask in the chat room, and uh, you know uh, get get I, you some uh, information that you need for this weekend, Mike. You know what, Scott? I got one uh, that a good friend of mine has uh, has asked me about. Uh, and I want to go ahead and get it out of the way before we get rolling into uh, some other stuff. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick or uh, Sam Bradford? Wow. Well, you gotta like you gotta like what uh, Fitzy Fitzy did this week against the Chiefs. It's not going to be quite the same this week. Um, as for Sam Bradford, uh, he does have the injury. Does sound like he's going to play. He's going to be playing against the Giants. It's not going to be the same Giants team we saw show up against Rex Grossman. Okay, that's the one thing I think people uh, people need to realize, or they do already realize if you listen to this show. Uh, Tuck did practice for the first time, so I know they're excited about getting him back. When you don't have Tuck and OC out there, that defense is a lot different uh, on the corners. It just makes everything more difficult on the entire Giants offense. And you've got to think, on the Monday night opener inside of MetLife Stadium there, uh, the Giants fans are going to be rowdy and and wanting to win. St. Louis uh, got off to a good start early. And then all of a sudden you saw, you know, the injuries to Jackson and the injuries just started piling up to everybody. Um it was it was not a good afternoon to face the dream team after that. But uh, if, if if I had to if I had to choose Bradford or Fitzpatrick, man, I almost I've got to take I've got to take Fitzpatrick right now just because of the way uh, they manhandled um, you know they manhandled the Chiefs. I mean, look, these guys started off the game started off the game with four wide receivers. Okay, it was we're gonna throw and you gotta stop us and. <laughs> And they couldn't stop them. They had no answer. Um, I, I kind of like that situation. Uh, Cadillac Williams looked really good for the Rams, so that's a that's a player that uh, should get a go. But I think those Giants are just going to harass the Rams all day long. I mean, I I really have a bad feeling for those Rams, especially when you lose Amendola, who was kind of the chain mover, you know. And now you're gonna you're gonna bank on Salas and uh, you know Sims Walker on the outside. I don't. I don't know, Mike. I'm not. I'm not a, a big fan of starting Bradford this week until I see a little bit more. Well, you know what? Uh, you know, I was asked that question, and uh, you know, I thought I'd uh, pose it uh, on the show tonight. And you know, it, it, that's pretty tough. I mean, either one of them. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Uh, to me, I, I would go with Bradford uh, just for the simple fact that uh, I can't believe this, but they may be. They may be down. They may be losing uh, in the game. And, uh, you know, there, there might be a lot of possibilities for uh, Bradford to do a lot more than Fitzpatrick because I think uh, I think Buffalo may continue to use Fred Jackson and uh, use the running game a lot more than people think. Ken Queen says Gibson has the big blow-up coming this Monday. So, 
Uh, take notice when King yeah. of Queens says that uh, there's a uh, there's a real good chance of that happening. There's not a lot of other options to throw to. Maybe Kendricks. Uh, look at look at let's look at Fitzpatrick. Go 17 for 25, 284, very efficient against that Chiefs defense, who had some injuries in the secondary. Uh, the, the, the situation is a little bit deeper than Scott Chandler, though, Mike. There was another guy on there that I was very impressed with. Now, again, the staffs aren't going to uh, – the statistics aren't going to show it. There's two other wide receivers on this team. You've got David Nelson and Donald Jones. And if you just look at the stats, right, you think that David Nelson might be the guy. But check this out, Mike. Donald Jones led all skill position players with Buffalo with 63 snaps. He even beat out Stevie Johnson's 59. So – when you look at that, and he's getting on the field that much, that's the kind of wide receiver you want to bid on this week. And so I went after Donald Jones just about everywhere I could because, you know, let's face it, Steve Johnson has been dinged up with the groin. The groin injuries are going crazy, man. I don't know what's up with everybody, yeah. but, it, you know, this early practice, not enough practice. Uh, he did return to practice today, so that's a very good sign for Stevie Johnson. But seeing Donald Jones on some of the plays, I, I remember looking back and watching a play. I was at the Sportsbook Caesars Palace. Thank you, Chef Tirabasi, Corn Fins. Had the table at Caesars Palace, man. We were set up right there in the Sportsbook. Very good time on Sunday. I woke up, man, 20 minutes before the games after a long, long night uh, at the moon at Palms, man. Uh, shout out to um, out the moon. All my shout out to all my good friends uh, that uh, that were there at the moon on Saturday night. Um, it was just a it was just a really amazing time uh, to be in Las Vegas for the high stakes draft to see all our good friends, a lot of who are in the chat room right now. Uh, what a what a good time we had all weekend long. My wife went; she worked uh, registrations, and and I worked. Uh, I, I did the uh, the kickoff party there at, the, at Caesar's Palace. It was just a lot of fun, man, going on from Wednesday all the way to Monday when we left for home. Uh, you can't get a better uh, five, six days of, of just absolute bliss than, than in Las Vegas, Mike. You have to go next year. You have to win this you know, uh, this KFSSC or one of these 77s. You've got to get out there this I'm, year, I'm, Mike. I'm gonna, well, I'll tell you what, right now uh, we're working on it. Uh, we we got a good start in the uh, in the uh, 77 league. we got a good start in the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Uh, you know, I – I can't, uh, you know, right now we had 160 points uh, last week in the uh, Kentucky Fantasy uh, League, and uh, you know I told Rachel I said, you know, this is this is our bottom line figure. We got to get 160 points a week. Shout out to Alex in the chat room too. He helped out on that table, or maybe it was him. I don't know. I know when I got there, they were both sitting there, and so I thought maybe Jeff had gotten up. Alex was out late too, so. Uh, shout out to IR, uh, Ian Ritchie, uh, making that happen. The VIP table, very, uh, very fun time. Mike, let's let's keep it going. Mike, uh, again, Donald Jones. Though I saw him uh, make some plays, and he di- he didn't. Uh, this wasn't even a catch, but the fact that this guy contorted his body around, turned around, and reached out with his left arm behind him to try to grab this ball and put a hand on it, he almost snagged it in. I was like, this kid's a player, and that's why he's out there on the field. Sixty-three snaps. Got to be real impressed with that. Again. Um, some major uh, – you got to look at snap counts when you're talking about uh, uh, guys who are going to contribute and they are going to be on the field. That's, uh, that's a major, major indicator. So while, while many people might be thinking that, uh, you know, somebody else is going to step up there because uh, Donald Jones didn't get the snaps, there's a very good chance, uh, especially with a Steve Johnson injury, that Donald Jones uh, becomes the guy there. So just just keep that in the back of your mind. He did go for quite a bit of money in these waivers. I'm looking at the waivers. Uh, let me pull them up here. Uh, we'll look for Donald Jones and, and what kind of money he went for this week. Uh, here's the league, 115. I think that was mine. Uh, Donald Jones, Donald Jones, 76. And then Donald Jones, 105. So he's going for 100, 100 115 or so. So that's, uh-huh. uh, that's a kind of. Yeah, it's a respectable number to go for uh, for that guy, and I think uh, I think we could see some good things. Uh, let's look at some other pickups, Mike. Uh, we've got early Doucette going for 99 in that game. Um, is he the number two or is it Andre Roberts, Mike? I mean, you, you've got to look at uh, early Doucette. Well, Andre Roberts gets the uh, gets the edge, played 50 snaps compared to just 22 for Doucette. So why is everybody bidding on Doucette, Mike? If if Roberts is out there two and a half more times as often running a pass route. 
Well, something. Yeah, it's real simple. I think uh, Kevin Cobb and uh, Early Descent they they have got a uh, quite a relationship going. And uh, Early Descent, I mean, he's not like a rookie. I mean, this guy's been around. He's gone through a lot of systems. He's had to understand a lot of offensive systems. But one thing that he has under that he's understood throughout his uh, career is that he plays for Ken Wisenhunt. That is a great coach. So, uh, you know, I think it's real simple that uh, Kevin Cobb and Early Bissett are being, uh, you know, they're being targeted as a group that can, uh, a couple that can work together. Uh, Andre Roberts, he's going to work together with them, but he's going to be a little bit more down the road. So that's why I see Early Bissett going that high as far as uh, blind betting. Mino Brown brings up a good point. Uh, he only made, I'm sorry, Orman Brown, co-track, early due set, made only one play. It was that big one he got away from. So, yeah, you have to you have to kind of look at uh, the entire stat line and a little bit of everything, maybe watch the game to get a real good handle right. on uh, what kind of player you're, you're getting ready to bid on. Mike, let's take a look at this Atlanta-Chicago game because I think it surprised everybody. I was amazed to see Atlanta favored in this game, number one. Uh, against the NFC champion, pretty much, right? I mean, the Chicago Bears was the number one seed. They were the number one seed in the NFC last year, and they op- they have their home opener, and they're the underdog against the Falcons. I mean, it just didn't make a lot of sense. They didn't do anything. Cutler and uh, the, the Bears' defense really showed up and harassed Matt Ryan all day. Uh, Matt Ryan threw for 47 attempts, 319 yards. Turner looked good. He had a nice couple of you know, semi-wide holes to run through. I mean, anybody could have ran through him, but he did fairly nicely. It still kind of looked like he was running in the mud. Uh, but then you're, you you got to see the Atlanta offense kind of emerge when they had a chance, when they weren't being harassed. I mean, Gonzo was out there. Julio looked good. Ronnie looks good as always. And they used Snelling out of the backfield quite a bit. Um, you know, it's just one of those um, one of those games where, you looked at the Bears and you said, okay, they are who we thought they were. They haven't changed. They're still running up the ball. They're using Forte. Forte is pretty much the man there doing a little bit of everything. I had a monster day, 26, 27 points. And now this week you have all these injuries uh, to Bears wide receivers. They're going to go into a hospital environment in New Orleans, and all of a sudden Johnny Knox with a groin injury. Uh, Roy Williams. Limited Friday, questionable game time decision. If they don't have Knox and Roy, if Marion Barber's out too, uh, Barber will not play. He's already been ruled out. I mean, that leaves Earl Bennett and Devin Hester, you know, really as the options to throw for Cutler. Cutler's going to have a very hard day in, in front of him in a hostile New Orleans environment. I don't start Cutler anywhere this week if I have, if, unless I absolutely have to, unless my offense is just terrible. I go ahead and sit Cutler, but. Earl Bennett might be a guy I start just because there's nobody else. Maybe Knox and Roy might not even play, so they're, by default he gets some receptions here. You know what? Uh, you know that's bang. That's a banged up team uh, going into a like you said. Uh, I hate to use that term, but hostile environment. Uh, but uh, Forte, you know you got to watch this guy. I mean he he can be explosive, and I've never been a real fan of Matt Forte, but. Uh, this could be this this could be his time and uh Devin Hester. Devin Hester, uh you know, they're gonna pull some uh they're gonna pull some guys out that uh that could, you know, accumulate a lot of points if you're a fantasy owner. So this could be a sneaky trap game uh for uh Chicago Bears owners and you could you you can make out uh, pretty good with this. Yeah, it's one of those games where, like I said, Earl Bennett, Matt Forte may be the only starters I, I put out there for the Chicago Bears. Calvin Johnson missed Friday's practice with an ankle, Mike. Uh, this is a guy that everybody paid a, a first-round price for. And now there could be an injury that prevents him from being 100%, Mike. How worried are you if you're a Calvin Johnson owner uh, about this uh, injury on Friday? What do you know? None, none. Uh, you know, I saw that too, Scott, and I'm not a bit worried. Uh, you know, the, the, I mean, this starts the uh, – we're only in week two, and this starts the injury bug of this guy's questionable or this guy. Calvin Johnson is fine. He's going to he's gonna play fine. He's going he's gonna to be just 
he's going to be okay. Uh, you know, the question uh, when it, you know, when the season starts uh, going to end the week uh, four, five, and six is when that continues to happen, then that's a problem. But right now, no, Calvin Johnson's going to be okay. This team, this team has so much going for them. Detroit Lions, they are a potential playoff team, and they're just listing him as questionable just to list him as questionable. Calvin Johnson is okay, and everything's going to be fine with him and Detroit as well. Hey, I tell you what, I was very uh, I was very aggressive about trying to acquire Matt Stafford in Las Vegas, uh, and I'm watching that that week one game against Tampa, and I see Stafford go down again. It looked like an Achilles. He's limping off the field. I'm like, oh, man, did I get lucky. I didn't get him. And, but this guy, I mean, is he made of glass or what, dude? I mean, this guy cannot seem to stay on the field. If he takes hits like that and he gets up Gimby like that, every, I mean, this is week one again. So it's just more of the same. It really worries me. Now, the good thing is if you have Calvin, you don't have a lot to worry about because even if – even if Stafford goes down, I mean, Sean Hill proved he could still get him the ball. So I, I, I don't see um, many issues with Calvin. Now, you've still got Pettigrew. Uh, you've still got Nate Burleson. You've got Java Beth. All those guys would be a little bit more affected by a, a Stafford injury. But Calvin's going to get his regardless. So the question is, these guys that paid a seventh-round price, which I was willing to pay, by the way, with Matt Stafford, I just didn't. Um, I, I chose right. Romo over. Stafford, Romo was still sitting there in the seventh round in my uh, first FFPC main where I had the one pick. And so I was going to come around with a six, seven turn and choose Stafford. Well, Romo was there. Uh, I couldn't turn down, um, you know, what I saw in that offense. And what happens? Well, uh, against the Jets, he looked pretty darn decent until, you know, the end. I mean, he threw for 340 and two. You got to like that. But it was the mistakes that this guy makes that drives these Cowboys fans absolutely batshit crazy, right? I mean, he. He he yeah. makes some of the worst decisions, and I don't know if it's coaching calling or what, because they should have kicked that field goal. I'm looking at it, I'm like, if you want the win here, you kick the field goal. And what do they do? They go for it, uh, and they they then he runs the ball and fumbles it, and then makes an absolute mess oh, of things. Oh man! They, oh, they throw the pick. They throw. What a mess! Yeah, you don't know, man. I, you know, it's got cowboy cowboy fans, which I am a big cowboy fan. You know, Tony Romo, it's like we should start Tony Romo for three quarters and throw in John Ketna for the fourth quarter. Just, I don't know, because he can't screw up the fourth quarter any more than Romo can. I mean, it's just, it's over and beyond. And, uh, but, you know, i tell you what, I like a lot of what I saw out of Dallas, and I never would have. Thought I'd say that, but I really like what I saw out of them, and I expect the the huge more huge things uh, in the uh, San Francisco game this weekend. Mike, I'm having a a conversation with the uh, the crew here. I tell you what, you've got to pay attention to the drops in your league as well. There's a lot of drops in these leagues that you've got to watch out for. A lot of guys give up on guys too fast. Let me read you a short list of drops in the couple of leagues that I tracked down here. The Giants' defense was dropped. Breston, Vereen, Jordan Shipley was dropped everywhere. Every league I saw, Jordan Shipley was being dropped. And, you know, Dalton's healthy this week. It sounds like he's ready to go. Hasselback, uh, Julius Thomas, Jacquez Rogers, Kerry Collins, T.O. I'd love for somebody in the, co- in the chat room to comment about T.O. I heard that he was near signing somebody. When I heard that from a, a tip in Vegas. Uh, that Terrell Owens was actually uh, going to be ready to play. So, you know, here he is dropped. Rabisky dropped. Uh, Todd Heat, Kyle Rudolph, Donovan McNabb. Why wouldn't you drop him after that week? Matt Castle. Uh, Shianko was dropped just about everywhere I saw him. Uh, Orton. Yeah. Chris, Cooley, Chris Cooley was dropped. Now, you know, I even saw – okay, here's the name, Mike. I saw Peyton Manning dropped in one of my classics. Now, what? If you're, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're a team that believes in a, a comeback by Peyton Manning, don't you – got to bet on this guy and maybe just hang on to him. Maybe he comes back for the end of the year. Yeah, you know what? I'm seeing all these players being dropped, and I'm seeing the same thing that you're seeing as well. You know, 
people, uh, they panic. They, they panic after week one and going, oh, my gosh, this player is not going to do me any good at all. And they fail to realize that this player might do me some good come week uh, 10, 11, 12, uh, especially when I'm really needy. So these guys that drop some of these players, they're going to be uh, they're going to be thinking, wow, oh boy, I wish I would have I wish I would have kept him, especially come in those later weeks, uh, and then decide on if you if you're going to decide on to drop a player, make sure you make the right pickup. Darrell Revis on Jaguars wide receiver Jason Hill. I don't even know who that dude is. What's his name again? I have no yeah. clue. <laughs> okay, so this is a guy that uh, I don't know who he is. Whatever he says is what he said. Whatever his opinion is of us, we'll find out on Sunday. I don't care what he says. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know the Jets, so we'll find out on Sunday. Uh, on Thursday, Hill told the Florida Times Union that Revis may be a product of all the exposure in the New York media market. He's a good player. We respect him. Hopefully he respects us because we're going to bring it just like they're going to bring it. Uh, Jason Hill, you're in for a bad, bad day. <laughs> 55 career receptions in six seasons, five career touchdowns. I feel very sorry for anybody that has to start in uh, with Jason Hill. So, uh, you know, that's funny because I expected maybe Mike Thomas to line up on Revis, but now maybe they uh, maybe they put Hill on him just to uh, to shut him up a little bit. I don't I don't know, but I'm, I'm kind of leery about starting his Mike Thomas this week uh, because, hey, the Revis Island is the real deal, Mike. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he covers he covers every island possible. and uh, But then again, you know, if you got a quarterback that's going to throw it right to you, you know, right into your, uh, right into your numbers, and the, especially when the wide receiver isn't running the route, that makes him look even better. Uh, but, you know, Revis, um, Darrell Revis, I mean, he's solid, but I don't expect him to uh, – I don't think he's going to make that many plays against Jacksonville because uh, Jacksonville, uh, they're just going to be coming from behind. But they're going to be uh, – I think they're, they're going to keep it a uh, ground control type of game. Uh, the spread's eight and a half. And honestly, I like Jacksonville in this game to cover the eight and a half. Let's continue on with some of the guys that you may have question marks about. Obviously, if you drafted Sean Green, uh, the BFD breakout player of the year, you were disappointed week one, 10 carries, 26 yards. Uh, but against the Jaguars, you got to be feeling a little bit better about his performance. It should be a game that they can get their, you know, get their heads behind, get their legs underneath of them. Uh, this is a game that, uh, you know, obviously favors the, the Jets. Just like you said, they're, they're, they're a big favorite at home. And, um, you know, Tom. This is no Thomas Jones team anymore for the Jets. This is a, and it's not an LT team, but LT sure did look like a 2010 LT out there. He did exactly what he did last year, uh, and he basically was the only running back making the big plays. Sean Green didn't do much at all, and LT continues to impress, um, not just with his uh, presence on the field, but the way he's able to make plays on the reception. Six receptions, 73 yards. You would have. You would have turned out with like 15 points for LT, and here you spent a third round or fourth round pick on Sean Green, maybe even a fifth if you're Duckworth here. And uh, you know what'd you get? Three, four points. So what was your take on Sean Green this week? Mike's got to get better uh, against Jacksonville, uh, right? I mean, although they allowed Chris Johnson, Chris Johnson didn't get off against Jacksonville, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Sean Green's in trouble again. You know, Scott, I don't think uh, that Tennessee gave the chance for Chris Johnson to get off. Uh, oh. I, I think they're going to continue to uh, pound the ball. Uh, you know, that's just uh, Rex Ryan's way, and they're going to pound the ball. But uh, they know that they have uh, Mark Sanchez to to throw the ball to anybody at any time. So there's a comfort zone. You know, it's funny because instead of, uh, you know, doing the run to – you know, promote the pass. They promoted the pass. Now they're going to promote the run. And I really see Sean Green having a big day against Jacksonville this week. Maurice Jones-Drew, uh, the, the the worst uh, is happening for this guy. We, we saw signs of it last year, and that's why I stayed away, Mike. 
Maurice Jones-Drew with no receptions in the passing game. 24 for 97 and a touchdown. This passing, this offense is not dynamic. Um, if you don't have something coming out of the backfield, Rashad Jennings was that guy last year, and this year you thought, well, maybe if Jennings is out, maybe Jones-Drew gets those receptions. They make the move to McCown on a real shady call what? and a, a bouncing of Garrard in the middle of the day. And now Jones-Drew doesn't get those receptions. So without a touchdown, Jones-Drew has a single-digit day. It's not a good sign for Maurice Jones-Drew, and it's a terrible situation for Chris Johnson. I mean, without those few receptions there, he would have – here it is again. This is what we saw glimpses of last year, Mike, a couple of games where this guy just throws in a clunker of a game, nine carries, 24 yards. I don't know if it's offensive line, if it's game planning, but how you can get away from banging Chris Johnson and giving him the rock you know, uh, at least two times every series is beyond me. Okay. Well, first off, Jacksonville, what's their record? I want to know. Exactly. And that's a heck of a lot better than you thought they would be. Uh, what's their chances of being 2-0? and Very slim. But I, I yeah. tell you what, Jack, Jacksonville showed me a lot in that one game because that one game showed me resiliency, uh, going, you know, they pretty much said, "Look, we're, we're done. We're done with Gerard. We're going to go with McCown, and we're going to MJD, and we're going to play the short game. They're they are going to play the short game with tight ends like Mercedes Lewis and stuff like that. They're going to play the short game, and uh, I might, you know, I give them half a chance against the Jets, but uh, you know." I mean, the Jets are going to win this game, but it would not surprise me at all to see Jacksonville and Luba Count and this whole team to make it a close game. The Jags led throughout the game. They relied heavily on the run, which allowed Thomas just 26 pass routes. Uh, Mike Thomas was the highest skill position out there who handed uh, had 51 of the team's 74 offensive snaps, so he is the most targeted wideout. He is the uh, the wideout that's the most involved. Uh, but last week, like you said, they didn't need to throw much, and they just ran all day long. So um, this week is going to be a little bit different. They're not going to be able to run all day on the Jets, and you're going to have to throw the ball. I love what we saw from Kenny Britt uh, on 48 snaps. Look what he did with it. Uh, the, I was really disappointed with Jared Cook. He was on the field for all but 10 of the team snaps, 35 were pass routes, and he didn't do anything with it. Uh, this guy has been the biggest disappointment, it seems like, week in, week out. We always wait on this guy. He practices like a monster, and then he, he shows up. Uh, he doesn't show up on the stat line at all. Yeah. You know, oh, and, uh, you know we're kind of uh, transitioning into the uh, Baltimore Ravens-Tennessee game, uh, you know, Kenny Britt, uh, he's gonna, he's got to show up at one point in time, but uh, you know you got to remember Hasselbeck's slowing to him. So I don't know. Out of that game, I really love. Uh, I, I think Chris Johnson's going to have a solid game, but uh, you know, as far as scoring touchdowns, he may get one for. You know, he may get one touchdown and a little bit over over a hundred yards. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. I just don't see anything stopping this team. I don't see anything stopping Flacco and Ray Rice. That was the most impressive uh, game of the week by far. I'm going to bring in a guest right now, Mike. We are honored to have Alex Kaganowski of the Fantasy Football Players Championship with us. Alex, welcome to Red vs. Blue, and congratulations on a uh, successful 2011 draft in Las Vegas. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Um that was a great time, and thanks to your wife, Scott, for uh, helping out there at the registration desk for uh, three days straight. That was awesome. Good good talking, Alex. She did have a good time, man. It was uh, a lot of fun for all of us. We, uh, we started it off at Caesars Palace on Thursday. We kept it rolling. You had the balcony area out there where we got to hang out with Dr. J and Mr. High and Lance and all those crazy cats out there on the balcony. Uh, you can only imagine. And then we have the drafts going on in the uh, what was it? The um, what, what they call the ball, the ballroom out there? The uh, the Octavius. 
the Octavius Ballroom, beautiful place. We had uh, food catered all uh, all week. We had the uh, the bar there. We had the drink tickets. It was just a lot of fun the entire weekend. Uh, we we wrapped it up on drafts on Friday and and even Saturday. And then uh, to have all of it culminate with uh, Sunday NFL action, man. And what it doesn't get any better, man. I'm telling you, you guys have got a really good thing. You doubled your numbers, you know, this year, and who knows what's going to happen next year. But everybody right now that has Steve Smith, they have Kenny Britt, they have Des Bryant, they're all thinking they've got the $200,000 team out. What was your take uh, from the weekend's performances? Uh, well, listen, it's one week, uh, so you can't. You can't really uh, take away too much, I think, in a lot of uh, with a lot of these uh, uh, passing explosions. I mean, you 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 probably expect that the passing game is going to continue, but I think that uh, you know you can't really expect Steve Smith to uh, to be a uh, top ten wide receiver with a rookie quarterback and you know a semi tough schedule, I guess you could say. Um, but I will tell you this, you know, the one thing I am seeing uh the last uh the last couple of days talking to you and then watching uh the chat room here, I think what we are seeing is we're seeing the evolution kinda of uh of the uh high stakes fantasy football preparation methods. And I think we're talking about you know, we're talking about snap counts now, we're talking about pass route uh passing route counts. We're talking about uh, target to pass route ratios, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, these are all new. I think you know, last year some some of the some of us uh, were already talking about it, but I think this year is kind of becoming mainstream, if I'm not mistaken. So it's really interesting to 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 witness that, and people are really starting to not really look at targets so much and stats, but really looking at the uh, snap counts. You know what's uh... Alex, I, you know, I got to agree with you as far as uh, not looking too much into the uh, first week because, you know, there are so many people that kind of get freaked out, you know, like we've been talking about uh, 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 the tight end for uh, Buffalo and stuff like that. I, you know, everybody tends to get freaked out about the first week. And, uh, you know, you got to remember, you know, I I want to I want to take a player like um, – you know, um, for New Orleans, uh, man, I'm having a hard uh, the run back. Uh, but anyway, you, you know, these guys, I mean, the first week, it, it may not be that bad or it may not be that good. But uh, then again, you just have to uh, evaluate from that point on. I agree with you completely, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, apocalypse, the apocalypse is near. You know, Mike, you're talking about Darren Sproles, I imagine. I mean, seven for 75. Oh, in the no. What are you talking about, Mark Ingram? I mean, I don't yeah. know. You, 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 I wasn't sure what you're talking about either, but, but I agree. Guys, hey, I'll tell you what, man. I'm sitting there scratching my head, and I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, Mark Ingram, that's a perfect example of a guy that scores – Hardly no fantasy points in week one that can bounce back. And, but there's a ton of guys in week one that scored a ton of fantasy points. Well, if your point is, Mike, that things are up and down, that is that's true. It's fantasy football. You've, you've got to take each game in stride. Uh, specifically, with that Thursday, specifically with that Thursday night game, it's a total mess in the backfield with Ingram, Thomas, Sproles. Sproles proved that. He's going to be involved in that regardless of uh, really the, the game planning. You, you've got to think that he's going to get work. He, to me, Sproles feels like the safest of those running backs, but I think we continually saw Mark Ingram being drafted before that. Isn't that what we saw, uh, Alex? Oh, yeah. Sproles, um, I, I, I was actually surprised to see Sproles get drafted. I'm not sure if uh, how many leagues uh, he was still available, but um, – I wasn't sure, and frankly, uh, how he's going to be used. And, and, you know, some of those plays they ran for him were the exact plays that they ran for Bush for, you know, the last few years. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. And, and he looked, frankly, he looked a little bit better than Bush even on some of those because, you know, he's got that, you know, real sneaky quickness that Bush didn't really have. You know, Bush was 
you know, obviously he's fast, and, I mean, you know, he does have the moves, but, you know, Sproul has got that real incredible acceleration, you know, and um, so I think he's going to continue to be seriously and heavily involved, and, 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 yeah, I think all the Mark Ingram uh, owners are going to be disappointed to see uh, to see him take all those receptions away. Alex, what do you think about uh, this? Uh, let's stay with New Orleans. Um, Breeze threw for 400 yards, obviously, and was a monster. And you've got questions around Lance Moore. You have the injury to Colston. Henderson is back to being a starter in New Orleans again. Um, you've got Henderson on one side. You'll have Meacham on the other and Graham in the middle. Do you trust Henderson to be a starter now that uh, he seems like that kind of guy that's on again, off again, no matter what kind of opportunity you give this guy, it's like uh, you never know what you're going to get. Great draft experts guy, but a very difficult redraft guy. Do you trust him this week? Well, yeah, you have to trust him because uh, just like all the other wide receivers really in in, um, uh, in New Orleans, other than Colston, you know, who's, I guess, more or less consistent, but all the other wide receivers are kind of up and down. Uh, so when you take one of them away, I guess it reduces or increases the chances for the others to pick up the slack. So I think you have to trust, trust him. But as far as, you know, I mean, he is a one-trick pony. I mean, that that's what he he's always done. He's kind of like a Bernard Berrien, you know, where he kind of goes deep. You know, he's got the speed. Um, you know, he doesn't really have the best hands in the world. I, I'm probably, you know, doesn't do other things too well. Um but which you know, which is why he's never really been a stud. But I think in this situation, without you know, with the hurt and more, and, and without Colston, you have to. How do you not put him in the lineup? You know, it's just I think you you almost uh, you you have to. Alex, you know uh, we're here in Indianapolis. I do want to get to your uh, prognosticator plays that we have. To, I, I want to make time for that. I hope you hope you're able to bring him tonight. But the Indianapolis Colts uh, looked uh, in all facets of the game the inferior product to the Houston Texans in uh, offense, defense, special teams. The fact that they moved Mario Williams around and, and they no longer have him on the line, he was a tremendous force and a, a threat to uh, the Indianapolis offensive line. Kerry Collins, didn't. it wasn't all his fault, I guess what I'm saying. It was all three facets of the game. It was like the team just didn't believe anymore. And we saw that in Vegas. We've never seen a year – where Colts players were completely disrespected in the draft, and it looks deservedly so, except for Reggie Wayne. I mean, if you're able to get Wayne in the fifth round, like we saw in Vegas, seven for 106 and a touchdown, you're feeling pretty good about that. But everybody else, you didn't get nothing from them. No. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure by the end of the year, all the Colts uh, owners are going to be pretty happy because where they were getting some of these guys, you know, it's if if they don't pan out, you barely spend any um, you know you barely spend a draft pick on him. I mean, to get uh, Garcon and where was he? He was falling into the eighth, ninth, even tenth rounds. I mean, uh, he can only you know he can only uh, uh, he he can't disappoint you uh, at that point. And Wayne was also falling, I think, into the third or fourth round or whatever. Or maybe even fifth, wasn't he in the fifth round in one draft, which is just an absolute joke. So, so yeah, I don't think you'll be uh, they'll be too disappointed. You know, just you just won't have that explosion explosion that you uh, probably expected with uh, with Payton. Alex Arian Foster uh, is, is apparently back this week. Kubiak did go on the record to say that. He doesn't think that he'll get the 60 snaps a game that he he normally got. And, and this year, uh, this week, the Jaguars, I'm sorry, the Texans play in Miami. Um, Foster, even in a limited capacity, has to get the nod, right? I mean, unless you have a really good option, you've got to put Foster in your lineup this week. Yeah, well, it really comes down to your option. Uh, if if you have, you know, for some reason, I don't know, if you could replace Foster with a, a high tower. Uh, you know, I guess that's an option. But if you're report, re, replacing Foster with a guy like, you know, like a St. Louis wide receiver or, or maybe somebody like that, then uh, then you're probably making a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, if the guy is suiting up and if the guy is announced as, you know, again, you know, maybe some news are gonna come, is going to come out before the start of the game that could uh, make things clearer. But if the guy is announced, as uh, as uh, warming up and getting ready to start, and then you put them in, you forget about it. 
Hey, I guess Alex, we waited uh, all week. Go ahead. Bring you here real quick uh, with the uh, the Cam Newton and uh, Steve Smith uh, parade. Uh, you know, it, it worked really well last week. And uh, what do you think about uh, this week? Uh, it's Green Bay, but still, uh, you know, those guys uh, tend to give up some points. So, uh, you know, what do you think about the uh, Cam Newton and uh, Steve Smith parade? Well, Cam's the number one pick. So he's got the pedigree. He's going to be this good at some point in his career, you know, not on a weekly uh, basis, but he will be this good. He just happened to show it to you, you know, week one, his first game of his career. So, you know, he he is this good. He will be very good. As far as the first year, he's going to be up and down. And Steve Smith, I mean, you know, I, I, I think that Green Bay will probably uh, – put an actual defensive back on him this week uh, versus what Arizona did, which was, you know, let the grass cover him, you know. Right. So so I have a feeling that, that he'll probably have a tougher time. Alex, you have a question in the chat room. Do you believe Jordy Nelson can be a legit number three fantasy wide receiver all year? That comes from Coyote Streakers. Um, I don't, no. No, because – Really? If you if you uh if you are putting him into your starting lineup, um, that means you pro you know you drafted him late. That means that you you probably uh, missed on a bunch of other picks early on. So you're kind of hoping <laughs> you're kind of hoping to hit with him, uh, and you know he's going to have weeks when he doesn't hit. So. I think he could he could probably hurt you more than he could help you. I mean, that's just the way I look at things. To me, it's all about consistency. I believe in that. Uh, I'd rather get a, a guy who whose floor is, uh, you know, is high, who has a high floor of, let's say, you know, he's good for that eight, nine-point game basically every week, but maybe doesn't have the upside of a 20-point game, than have a guy who could, you know, maybe have a three-point game and, and a 22. So, um I'm all about the consistency, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how he could give it to you, um, you know, because James Jones is, did not disappear, and and I believe Donald Driver, speaking of the snap counts, I think he had the most uh, the most snaps behind uh, Jennings, did he not? Yeah, significantly, 46 to 26. You know what, Scott and uh, Alex, uh, I think this is really good uh, because I would like to throw this – Throw this out there. Uh, I've got three wide receivers that uh, they're not necessarily on any of my teams, but uh, I would like to get your input. Uh, uh, Jordy Nelson, uh, Jacoby Ford, or Javon Best? Did, uh, is it Javon Best? Is it Javon Best or is it uh, Java Best? Javon Best. Yeah, Jacoby Ford is out, Mike, so you, you can go ahead and throw that one out. Uh, he didn't practice all week. He's already been ruled out. So you're down to two now. Robert Meacham, uh, Jordy Nelson, or Javon Best? <laughs> okay, now, well, definitely Meacham, right? So we've, we've got that one. Do you need two or just one? Just two. You need two. Okay, Alex, uh, Devon Best plays uh, against Houston, which you got to like that matchup. And, oh, uh, Devon you're... Best. Okay, I thought you were talking about Java Best. All right, never mind. Yeah. I'm um, all wide right here. Yeah. I'm good with whatever you decide, Scott. Yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, these are the types of questions, though, that we run across week in and week out, and you look, you've got to kind of throw week one out and look at the situation this week. And so you've got Meacham in the lineup. You have to keep him in there. They're going to play the Bears. Uh, or I'm sorry, um, New Orleans um, is going to play, yeah, at home against the Bears. And then you've got Green Bay in a matchup at Carolina, and you've got to, you've got to love that matchup with what you saw with Arizona. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, you know, I'm kind of flipping a coin there between Jordy and Beth, and I guess Jordy has more of the touchdown potential. The over-under is going to be a lot higher in that Green Bay game versus probably the Houston-Miami. I don't know. You know, Alex, uh, so so you're, uh, Mike, you've got Meacham in there, and then you just flip a coin on the other guy. I mean, I guess at this point I say Jordy. But, Alex, I think the real story all weekend long, we, we sat here and watched all the games, and then Monday night, 
the Patriots plop off 504 with Tom Brady. I mean, does it get any better than this guy with well, – what all did you take from that game with Welker and Hernandez and Gronk and everything you saw? Well, we here's what I take. We got Belichick and Brady basically wanting to score as many points as they possibly can once again like they did a couple of years back, and, and that's going to be fun because when they were doing that – uh, with Moss uh, back in uh, 2000, what was it, 2008, 2009? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was fun. And I remember all the talk about, you know, people talking about them, uh, you know, they're, 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 what were they saying, that they were uh, running up uh, the score. Running up the score. Oh, my God, that was, I love to hear that talk. Running up the score in the NFL. I, I love that. I mean, what are they paid to do? I mean, what are they supposed to do? Lay down, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Patriots. And, by the way, I'm not a Patriot fan whatsoever. And I absolutely love to watch them, quote, unquote, run up the score and just beat the crap out of everyone, just lay the wood. You know what? You don't like it? Stop them. That's the exactly. NFL. Exactly. You know what, Alex? They're a machine. They're a machine, and they they, they get the players that they want, and uh, they fit the role, uh, they fit the system, and – they're in there to win games. That's what it's all about. And you, you just said it exactly right. You know, if you if you don't want me to, if you don't want me to run the score, stop me, please. You know the uh, Robert Kraft. You saw the specials there with his wife Myra dying from cancer this year. They're talking about playing for him, playing for her. They've got a extra special chip on their shoulder and motivation to just. Give their absolute best effort every game. They're going in with that type of motivation. You know Belichick is all over that angle. Uh, so to see it happen like this. Now this week we get to see the test. The Chargers, one of the better defenses in the league, they play and that should be one heck of a shootout. You got to start Malcolm Floyd. You got to start all your Patriots, all your Chargers, and just just hang on to your seat, man, for a wild ride for that game. Alex, three minutes left. Prognosticator plays. What do you got? I'll give you three good ones. Uh, this is my first week I was handicapping the weekly ones. I, I didn't do it last week. So I saw a few good ones. I, I got uh, LT, uh, Daniel Tomlinson, Tomlinson uh, under 70.5 total yards. Uh, that's rushing and receiving, minus 15 cents. I thought that was uh, really, really high. Uh, for some reason, they're they're basically saying that he's back to a 50-50 split with Sean Green, and I don't believe that that's that's really the case. I mean, the uh, coach Ryan said that was not going to be the case. Uh, I believe that was a game situation that led to that last week, and I believe that line is reflective of that game situation last week, where LT basically took over. And I don't foresee that happening this year. So uh, this week, so under 70 and a half um, total uh, rushing and receiving. Play number two. I got my man. This is kind of a homer play, not really a homer, but since uh, since I'm kind of infatuated with Fred Davis this uh, this week, trying to get him on my waiver wire, uh, I got an over three reception play on him, uh, minus 20 cents. I love the even number plays where it's three receptions versus, let's say, three and a half, only because... You know, three is like a really nice, strong number to reach for any starting wide receiver or tight end. That means he only he has to get two for me to lose. Three, I feel, you know, is a really good chance for him to, to get there to push. And then all he has to do is get the fourth for me to win. So I kind of – I always like those three totals on the receptions. Love it. Um, Love that one. Yep. And then I got one more, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't really dig into this one too much, but – a starting running back uh, with a 54-and-a-half over-under rushing yards uh, to me was kind of interesting, a little bit low, maybe a lot low. And that running back is uh, Felix Jones, so his total was 54-and-a-half rushing yards. And I took the over on that, minus 15 cents. It just didn't, you know, I mean, a guy like Felix Jones could get that on one play, really. So, And he basically is getting... 85 percent of the touches at this point. So, you know, 54 and a half yards. I thought that was a that was a good play. So, so those are my three uh, my three stone cold locks for you guys. I love. I like it. Three. I like. 
I like having three. We can, we can make some money. Alex, thanks for being uh, on Red versus Blue. Always a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk more next week. Mike, we got, we're out of time, man. we got to go with Red versus Blue. We'll see you guys next week. Sounds good, Bob.